This is Bless You Boys Podcast 125, recorded August 22nd, 2014. Meet the Beat Writer with special guest Chris Iatt of MLive. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Welcome to the Bless You Boys podcast, where the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog, kicks around the past week of Detroit Tigers baseball. As always, I am your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys, where you can find me pretty much writing every day about something or other, be it a recap, news, or, or just a rant in general. Joining me, as always, as well, is the man you know as Hook Slide. He is, uh, from what I hear, he's kind of the grand poobah of the west side of the state, and uh, and obviously he seems to be grooming his daughter for the big leagues. If, I, if what I've read on Twitter is correct, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes, well, uh, yeah, she wanted to play baseball. She's always asked me why, you know, why she couldn't play baseball. Why girls had to play softball? And obviously, with uh, uh, Moni Davis, you know, coming into the into the spotlight, um, it's it's becoming a non-issue. So I think we might uh, might try baseball next year. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. And for that matter, I just want to say uh, welcome back to the show because you missed your first show in quite some time last week due to some personal commitments. So welcome back. Well, thank you. And I will never, ever go away again because I listened to part of the prod- a podcast that you and Kurt did, and I heard Kurt basically cursing out all of our fan base. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> I said, okay, well, I, I apparently can't go away anymore. So, <laughs> However... I have to dispute, if just for this show, I have yeah. to dispute that, that I'm at the Grand Poobah of the West Side because we do have a special guest today who may actually trump me and take that title from me. Indeed, and we'll get to our special, special guest in a moment. So uh, first off, before uh, we get to him, uh, a little bit about the podcast. Uh, you want to contact us with thoughts and questions. And we did get a significant amount uh, thinking that uh, we were yelling at the fan base again. Well, actually, Kurt was yelling at the fan base. But regardless of that, you can contact us at bybcontest at gmail.com, bybtigers at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at Bless You Boys. Usually myself, Hookslide, Kurt, Rob, or Melissa will be running it depending on the day. And we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash bybtigers. Or, of course, just search for Bless You Boys on Twitter or Facebook. Follow us, like us, and you'll see a lot of entertaining comment. Uh, and I, I really do think we put on a, quite a show during games. But uh, with that out of the way, uh, Hookslide, I, I know you're the one who made the contact, and you're kind of our guest wrangler. So I'll let you get the introductions out of the way for our very special guest. Well, you you know him as the, the weather guru on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Sorry about that, Chris. I, I had to throw that in there. Uh, but also a writer for uh, MLive and a uh, beat writer who covers the Tigers game in and game out. Uh, so we're welcoming Chris Ayat to the show. Hi, Chris. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? We are doing great, and we really appreciate you taking time from uh, your – it really is a very busy job because I know we're recording this the afternoon before the Tigers take on the Twins in Minnesota tonight. Uh, first off uh, – I know, I know uh, some people think you work a dream job, and I, I know before I started covering the Tigers, you know, kind of you know, doing what we do at Bless You Boys, I thought, I thought the same thing, but I can now realize, I can, you're kind of, you're, I can now realize that you guys work your asses off. It's, you know, I mean, I get tired, and I'm home every day, and <laughs> you guys travel the country following this team, cranking out an enormous amount of content. Uh, so let me ask you. Uh, does covering the Tigers and in, in baseball in general, day to day, does it enhance your enjoyment of the game, or is it more of a job than you expected? You know, being I've been in sports journalism at different levels for a long time, and the, the funny thing about sports journalism is it is it, 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 it I guess it I guess it kind of enhances mm-hmm. you as a sports fan, but it, it, it takes away 
it, it really does take away any rooting interest you have. I really, I, honestly, I have no teams in any sport that I really root for. Maybe outside of um, the NMU hockey team, just because I went to Northern Michigan yeah. um, back in the, the glory days of hockey there. I, and I don't really follow them that well. I just, I just check around and see if they're in the tournament at the end. But um, it, it's a, it's a different, it's a different kind of aspect, a different way to look at it. Um, you know, I, I watch baseball from from a different angle. Um, I understand when fans get upset about the Tigers, um, but it, it, in the end, for me, it is it is a job. Uh, it's it's an interesting job. It's a, it's a fun job. I get to wear uh, jeans to work and, and and sleep in and hope I don't miss any breaking news while I am sleeping occasionally. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's a, but it's a job. Um, we spend a lot of time at the ballpark. Nobody wants to hear me. Uh, uh, talk about that, but you know, in, in, in the travel stuff, but but it's it's definitely a, a unique job and, and and a unique view of things. Yeah, uh, has it really changed your perspective? Because I know I hope so, and I can relate to this now that we've really kind of immersed ourselves in the day to day goings of a season, and it makes me real. It's really made me realize what a huge business the game of baseball and for that matter professional sports is at this point. Uh, there is so much going on in the background that sometimes I really feel like. The game itself takes a back seat to what we see in the field. Well, and social media has changed it so much. I, yes. I don't want to sound like a dinosaur because it's only been five or six years since I covered mm-hmm. the Pistons. And I remember when I had 187 Twitter followers, and yeah. we were really just trying to figure out, like, we were doing things on Twitter that probably would get all, all us fired these days just because mm-hmm. we were just still experimenting and figuring it out. I remember um, I, I talked to a coworker once who, who had referred to a player on Twitter as a clown and he told me afterwards, I, I, I forgot I wasn't texting. I was mm-hmm. tweeting, and that, that was public, and he deleted it right away. But um, but the news cycle now, I mean, what what 10 years ago was a story that you would work on and, 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 and you know send in at the end of the night for the next day's paper can change eight times in the course of the day. Um, and with just the constant, you know, the constant need for information, um, you know, I'm pretty married to Twitter and, and mm-hmm. being online. I think last week when I was in Pittsburgh, between first pitch of the first game and first pitch of the second game, I think I posted 15 things on MLive. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, it's just a constant, constant desire for news out there. So which is you know, which is a good thing from from my point of view. Yeah, realistically, I think you've really nailed it. In that social media has really changed. I think your responsibilities more than anything else in that. Uh, and before, uh, you know, and really, it's only been in the last five or six years. So, like, is before essentially, like you said, what you wrote was, I think, ma- mainly aimed for the newspaper for the next day. Uh, and but now, it, it really feels like you're you're become the face of the newspaper to a huge portion of the fan base. And that if something gets said on M Live that they don't agree with, it seems like they're going to go right to you on Twitter, and they will definitely make their uh, voices, their opinion known. No, they they, they do definitely let their let their opinions be known, and, and I do really like the back of the back and forth on Twitter for the most mm-hmm. part. I, nobody likes you yelled at, but yeah. but um, a lot of times if if people yell at me and and, and I treat them with respect and just have a have a conversation, it turns out yeah. turns out you know good in the end. So no, it is funny you know you mentioned social media. Literally, I'm not lying to you that it was two or three nights after the playoffs ended last year. Mm-hmm. I was li- I was literally dreaming Twitter feeds, yeah. like words were flowing through my brain mm-hmm. from the bottom up or whatever. It, it was strange. And, and the man is funny. Um, I think it was spring training this year. Well, I know it's been training, but I'm trying to think of the story. Mm-hmm. I think I had talked to, I think it was after Dave talked to Max Scherzer about how that whole thing went down with his contract right. information coming out. And, um, I, I put a message into Dave and he called me on my way back to my apartment in Lakeland. And I, I got some quotes from him. And I went back to my room and I was writing a story and I spent 20 minutes writing the story that I thought was pretty good. I had Dave quotes that nobody else had. And I hit post on it and then checked Twitter and um, the news of Cabrera signing an extension had broken 15 minutes earlier mm-hmm. while I was working on this story. And people were yelling at me, you know, where are you? <laughs> um, so it's really, um, my kids get sick of me having my nose in the phone when I'm home, but um, it, it's really become a requirement to, 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 to pay attention to what's going on out there all the time. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's become a 24-7 job for you guys. Uh, speaking of uh, maybe a relationship with fans, the Tigers' relationship with the fans seems to be somewhat strained. Uh, MLive's readership has really developed a one, they're, they're very loyal to you guys, but they've also developed a bit of a rotation being, being pretty negative. Uh, do you uh, buy into the theory that the fan base in general has started to turn on the Tigers uh, do, you know, due to the great disappointment that they really expected more from the team this year? 
Well, clearly I expected more from the team, and I think the success of the last few years leads leads to high expectations. Um, and, and I think they're fair based on the payroll and, and the success of the past. In some ways, you know, you look at the predictions from the last few years, and you, you can see so many teams take the win divisions mm-hmm. that ended up in the tank either due to injuries or poor play or whatever. Um, that sometimes, I mean, I think the only real reasonable expectation you have when the season starts is, you know, A, if my team stays healthy, it should make the playoffs, and then we'll see what happens from there. Because the season's so long, you just you just can't start playing for October and March and April. Um, so, you know, at this point, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're on the edge of the playoff picture. There's a long way to go. You know, they, they could miss the playoffs. They, they could have home field advantage in the first round, maybe. They could mm-hmm. win the whole thing. You know, it's the amazing thing about baseball is, is it doesn't matter you know, what, what kind of stretches you have earlier or in the middle, as long as you get into the playoffs, um, you've got a shot. So, and, and are the Tigers fans negative? I, I don't know. I mean, we see these things through tunnel vision sometimes. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how Kansas City Royals fans react to Kansas City writers and, and Kansas City players. Um, every once in a while, I, I'll click on somebody else's, you know, tweet about a, about a team they're covering, the Red Sox or whoever, and, and it's similar. It's similar comments, and I really do think for the most part, fans are, are just want the team to do well and are positive. Sometimes I think the, the fan, the, the perception of the fan base gets skewed slightly by the ones you hear from, which are yeah. the ones who, who respond on Twitter, who comment on stories, who go on talk radio. Not that that's bad; they're clearly passionate. But but sometimes you, you, I don't know that that shows the whole cross section of, of you know Tiger fans. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there. Is that the the fans have a, a much larger megaphone now with social media and sports talk radio being so prolific that, yeah, essentially, as you put it, the squeaky wheels are going to get more, much more noticed than the, the silent majority, I guess, as you would put it. Uh, Hookslide, anything you want to add so far? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm enjoying listening to this so far. It's, it's interesting to hear the, the you know perspective from someone that deals with the fans much more, I think, heavily than even you and I do, Al. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> in a different section of the fan base. We're, we're very spoiled, Chris, over at BYB, you know, to have a, a fan base that doesn't complain over much. So, uh, you know, talk about the Tigers fans being spoiled. We're very spoiled with the fan base section that we get to deal with. Um, I did want to talk to you, though, Chris, a little bit about the uh, the experiences that you get to have, you know, as a beat writer, being able to go up up close and personal, you know, and, and talk with Brad Osmus this year and, of course, in the past years, you know, with, with Jim Leland. Um, just talk maybe a little bit about what that experience is like. What are some of the differences you've seen between uh, Leland and Osmus, you know, and, and your, some of your thoughts on, on Brad? Yeah, before I move on to that, I do want to clarify. I'm live. I'm live. Commenters like you think get a bad rap. I think that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the the, the the world has changed on M Live from maybe five or six years ago. I think the level of discourse has has increased definitely. Of course, there's still some negative people, but um, I just want to make sure I'm 100 percent clear that I'm not I'm not piling <laughs> on M Live commenters at all. Um, as far as the manager managers go, you know, they're they're clearly, they're clearly different people. Um, I mean. Jim, Jim was old school with a ton of experience. Um, sometimes he, he, I think he felt that he had some sway and could say exactly the way he felt in no uncertain terms, you know, sprinkled with F-bombs and that, that people will listen. I think Brad's a, wisely so, you know, a little more, I don't know, reserved isn't the right word. But, um, you know, as a first-year manager, I, I think you've got to take some time to, to, to earn some respect. And they just have different personalities in that way, too. Um, um, as far as they manage a game goes, I mean, every guy's going to do that differently too. I think, you know, we still, we still got to wait and see over the long term what kind of a uh, manager Brad's going to be. Um, I know everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people second guessed Leland. You know, some people thought it would be drastically different when he was gone. Probably those same people are, are second guessing Osmus. But baseball is a second guessing game. I mean, that no two people are gonna are, are would make the same decisions as, as the game went on. You know, there's been times I've wondered about um, Austin's bullpen management. But Jesus, Pete, I, I think those questions uh, everybody has those every year. Um, I will say this: those guys know <laughs> those guys know so much about baseball. Mm-hmm. There are times I've gone into, into Leland's office and said, "Hey, why? You know, why did you why did you play this guy? Why did you pinch hit this guy?" And he's given me a 20 minute explanation. And, and included things that I never would have thought of thinking of. And even that, uh, if I disagreed with them, I mean, <laughs> those guys mm-hmm. have their reasons for doing things, you know. They're not just pulling names out of a hat. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point because I, uh, I, I fans, I think, would much – they think that these, he should put in the best lineup, the best players, 162 straight games. I think not realizing these guys are not – Robots and they need rest. They get banged up, and as we've seen I, this year, I mean, some of the you know Miguel Cabrera looks like he can barely move right now. So uh, there's a lot going on as you bring up in the clubhouse that we'll never see. And I, it, well, let me ask you this: uh, when in, when talking to the managers, uh, is there a lot of off the record commentary when you talk to these guys? Well, I try not to. I try not to go into that too much because off the record means off the record to me. So I try not to say. I try not to say, you know, this guy goes off the record a lot because mm-hmm. and I'm kind of revealing the fact that he does so. Um, I, I, with that said, in general, I think what I said earlier about Leland feeling he had a little more sway and, and, and Brad still kind of working through that, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think I would, uh, I think I would stick to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you about, uh, let's go a little bit deeper into that. Uh, obviously, with Lloyd McClendon coming in uh, into town last week and proving to be very successful with the Mariners this year, there was a lot of talk saying, well, maybe Brad Ausbus wasn't the right guy for this team. Maybe he really was Lloyd McClendon, even though if McClendon had been hired this offseason, I think there would have been a huge uprising from the fan base wanting change. <laughs> so uh, is it too early to say if Ausbus is the right or wrong guy for this team right now? I think it's I think it's too early to say, but I, I don't know. I, I've said this in the past, and I'll probably continue saying this as long as I live. I tend to not deal too much in is this the right manager, is this the wrong manager. Brad Optimus makes I don't know how much, but he makes somewhere around I would say probably four to ten percent of what Miguel Cabrera makes or what Justin Verlander makes, and there's a reason for that. If if Brad Optimus or Terry Francona or whoever with a difference, if they made that huge of an impact in things, they'd make 20 or 30 million a year. I'm not saying they're not important. Mm-hmm. A, a bad manager can destroy a clubhouse, um, you know, uh, and, and ruin a team. But I don't, I don't think Osmus is a guy who's running the Tigers or, or the clubhouse. So I, I try not to dwell. You know, I don't, I don't give a ton of credit to managers when teams win. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like hitting coaches. Somebody's like, you know, where's the Tigers hitting coach? With Kinsler struggling, well, were you praising him in the first half when Kinsler was raking? I mean, yeah. that, was that because of the hitting coach? No, it's because Ian Kinsler can hit a little. So if Ian Kinsler isn't hitting, yes, of course the hitting coach should help him figure it out. Mm-hmm. But, but in my mind, success and failure is on on players ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Before we let you go, because I know uh, Chris is doing us a big salad by talking to us, because he does have to get to the stadium in the next few minutes, cover tonight's game. Uh, we really should talk about the real, the breaking news from this afternoon that the Tigers lost out on the uh, Rosny Castillo sweepstakes. The, the Cuban defector uh, is agreed to sign with the Red Sox for a monster deal, seven seven years, $72.5 million. Uh, I guess uh, when it comes to this, Chris, uh, one, were you surprised the Tigers were went this deep into the uh, into trying to sign Castillo? And are you surprised at the amount of money you end up getting? Well, uh, I'm 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 not surprised that they went in as deep as they apparently did, and, and I don't think any of us really know how the, the, these things go. I mean, I know there's rumored frontrunners. Generally, there's always teams out there that are trying to land a guy like that who who aren't as public with it because mm-hmm. I think they they feel like it's smart not to. So we don't know how deep they went, but but clearly, I, I think pretty clearly the Tigers were interested players, and, and some of this is going to be obsolete because we're going to talk to Dave Dombrowski about this later today. Mm-hmm. And you'll know about this uh, on Saturday. Yeah. But um, the amount of money he got, you know, I've never, I've, I've been accused of seeing him play. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I've I read the scouting reports. You guys have read. It sounded like, you know, a year or so ago, he was a, a Roger Davis type, and then he's put on some weight and some some muscle, and and and, and can, can you know, is more of a line drive hitter now. This I read a thing by Danny Nobler, and I'm, I'm not even sure when he wrote it. But he's basically running through all the Cuban players and basically said, in hindsight, name one that's overpaid. If mm-hmm. if all these guys are free agents today, would they sign for more than they're making now? Um, and the answer is yes. I mean, yeah. he, he, all those guys are, are making less than they, they would if they got a free agent contract today. So I, I think that's a wait and see. With, you know, I, I don't know, 72 million over... I, it sounds like it was 72 over six or 72 and a half over six plus the last mm-hmm. month of the season. Whatever, that's a lot of money. Right. Um, the Tigers clearly have a need in the outfield and in center field going forward. Um, I think they they just sped up 
the time frame for when they have that need because I think it's pretty clear at the end of next season, Austin Jackson is going to be a free agent and right. is a Boris client. And I, I think the Tigers are pretty sure that Austin Jackson wasn't coming back in 2016. But um, for the next year and one month, yeah, they've got a, you know, that's a, that, that's just to increase the speed at which they need to fill that need. And it'll be interesting to see what they do. I don't, I don't know if there's a ton of guys in the market that are going to fill that spot. And I don't know there's a lot of guys in the system that are ready to play center field every day either. Yeah, that's uh, really, I think, oh, what really looks like it become a huge concern for the Tigers is that next year, I mean, for right now, they, they're, they're, they'll muddle through what they have. Obviously, you know, Torrey Hunter and Wright and uh, Rajai Davis and Carrera in center and hopefully J.D. Martinez in left. But next year, you know, obviously Hunter's going to be gone. We have no idea what they're going to do in center field. Uh, Andy Dirks is still a question mark. I have wondered if he's even going to play this year at this point. Uh, right now, outfield looks like a a wasteland talent-wise, and I, obviously Dave Dabrowski, knowing him, he's got a plan of some sort, but the, the Castillo news, I think, really has to change their direction as to what they're going to do, because you're right, there's nothing in center field next year in free agency. Uh, to a degree, I think, excuse me, a lot of people were like, you know, why didn't, why didn't players go out and get a bat? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the Tigers are trying to get a bat, and I think what happened is they didn't see what they wanted out there. So they just double down on starting pitching and say, hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna try to win this thing, let's just make our strong strong point a bigger strength and see if we can get it done that way. Um, and and you know, Jackson, while at times was was inconsistent um, offensively, I mean the loss of him has has hurt that outfield, you know, offensively and defensively. So you know, next year Hunter will be a free agent in the off season. I don't see them, you know, bringing him back to be an everyday guy. I don't know what his plans will be or if he'll be looking for that. Um, you know, Davis has got another year on his contract. Dirks, I don't, I don't think you'll see Dirks this year, but right. he should be around. Um, Jay Martinez is under team control, but it's funny. I, 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 as good as his numbers have been this year, I think still people are just a little tentative to say, you know, this guy's going to be a long-term answer. Maybe that's unfair to him. Um, but definitely, center field is a, it is a hole that they're going to have to fill. Yeah, it, and uh, it's it's really a huge question mark. And I probably going into this offseason, I think that's going to be the primary focus of the fan base. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, hook slide, before we let uh, Chris go, because he's got to grill Dave Dombrowski and Brad Osmus later, anything you'd like to add or ask before we uh, let him do his job? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I just uh, really appreciate you taking the time, Chris. This has been very, very enlightening. Uh, I hope we can do it again in the future. Um, I have one parting question for you, and this is probably the most important question I've asked all day. Um, if you had one word and just one word, to describe Paul McCartney's wonderful Christmas time, what would that word be? Um, horrific. Thank you. That, that's <laughs> I, have that's strong, I have a lot of strong opinions on music. You guys want to do a music segment sometime. You have to bore, bore everyone and lose all your ears. Your listeners, I'll happily, uh, I'll happily come on and do that. But that thing's, that thing's brutal. And I thought you were going to ask him what the weather was, Hook Slide. So. No, no, no. I am looking forward to the rest of the podcast. You guys said the Grand Poobah on the west side of the state will be on. I assume that's still called spring. <laughs> no, he lost that title to me in an arm wrestling championship. So. Oh, nice. Very nice. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much again for um, – uh, you know, give us uh, some time out of your very busy schedule. Uh, uh, once again, if the listeners and readers want to find you online, what's the best way to find your stuff and to contact you? I think mlive.com slash Tigers is the best way to find the news. And if you want to follow uh, follow me on Twitter, um, it's uh, Chris underscore I-O-T-T. It's not Chris Lott. There is a Chris underscore L-O-T-T, whom I've apologized to in the past because you probably get yelled at. But, um, there's no I in team. There is an I it. So uh, that's where you find me on Twitter, too. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chris. And uh, we'll let you get to uh, uh, grilling Dave Dabrowski as to what he's going to do next. So thanks again. Thank, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. And thanks again to Chris Iad of MLive.com for, uh, again, t- he has an extremely crazy schedule hook slide. And, uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, I, I'm really starting to kind of fall on his side of things when it comes to covering baseball. Just that, you know, I remain a fan. You know, it's easy for easier for us, obviously, but it is it, it, it's different. It's a grind for these guys. Yes. I, I, I just don't know how they do it sometimes, especially with the travel involved. Like I said, like I said during your interview, I get exhausted and I'm home doing this. 
Yeah, we thought we were tired after the uh, trade deadline day. Yes. You know, just having to crank out all the content that we, you know, and, and the Twitter handling mm-hmm. all of that. You know, but I, well, what he said resonated, I'm sure, with with you as well as with me. That you know, you're afraid when you sleep in too long that you might end up missing, you know, some huge breaking news because it's it's just constant. You yeah. know, yeah. the way it, this goes. Yeah. For example, today I was. Uh... Uh, I, I tend to, I tend to sleep in quite a bit because I'm kind of switched over to the girlfriend's schedule and she works uh, midnights you know like a typical shift for her she's a nurse is 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. things like that so I I tend to stay up later now and so when I got up which was around 11 o'clock this morning first thing I hear is the Castillo news it's like oh you know like what did this happen you know so you know of course it's a rush to get it on the site and things like that so. And when yeah. he said, when he talked about what happened with uh, uh, the Scherzer uh, Cabrera stuff, you know, where he was working on one post and another breaking story happened while he was tied up. Oh man, that's that's I can't believe what these guys got to put up with. <laughs> you would think that the uh, Tigers organization would be a little kinder and let them know. Oh know? yeah, and the, yeah, like uh, after you know uh, they'll be on the wet like uh, in the Central Time Zone and they, they, they announce a transaction at like one o'clock our time. You know? <laughs> like, right. oh, God. Uh, trying to trying to distract the beat writers, I guess. Yeah, and uh, once again, you know, we're probably boring the, the listeners, so let's get back on track and um, uh, let's kind of stay on the Castillo story because that's uh, really kind of shown that the Tigers have a one a glaring hole in center field, and it kind of shows that well the Tigers need to improve their offense because right now it's become a huge concern. Uh, the Tigers haven't hit at all in the second half, and there was some talk that maybe Castillo might be able to help this season. I, I, I think that's a stretch. But right now, Hookslide, the outfield, where, I, where they were getting this significant amount of production, you know, much because of Austin Jackson had an awesome July, right now it's pretty scary out there. Uh, and what's even worse is 2015. This is how it currently stands. Andy Dirks, Rajai Davis, J.D. Martinez. Uh, huh. That's yeah. an awful outfield, if you ask me. <laughs> is it worse than this year's, though? <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah, no kidding. Are we improving as, as crazy as that sounds? I don't I don't know. Um, uh, certainly, as, as the uh, weeks have kind of dragged on, we're, I think we're more and more realizing just how uh, important Austin Jackson was. Yes. You know, to that outfield, not only defensively, but, you know, even offensively in the lineup, as strange as that seems, because when he was here, mm-hmm. at least for me, you know, it was much easier to kind of point to the streakiness, yeah. you know, and say, well, he's unreliable and he can't possibly be that huge of a contributor. But now in his absence, you kind of say, well, uh, that's, you know, the, the, at least the Oakland A's are kind of going through the same thing mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that they made similar moves that the Tigers did. They got rid of, uh, you know, a. a an offensive piece and a defensive piece in the outfield in, in Cespedes in order to bolster their pitching staff, which right. is exactly what the Tigers did. And guess what? They're struggling too. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we were wrong all along, Al. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe offense does beat good pitching. Yeah. It's, it's kind of looking <laughs> like that right now because, you know, it's, and realistically, I'm sure Dave Dombrowski is the type of general manager who has a plan A, B, C, D, E, but, the other plans don't look anything remotely as good if Castile is up to what the scouts believe uh, to what they would have had in him. Because uh, right now, uh, I was, I was, when I was putting together the Castile post earlier today, I looked at the free agency list and for center field. Denard Spann would be the top uh, center fielder available if the, the Nationals decline his team option of $9 million, which I have a feeling they will they will. Uh, actually keep him because he's having a halfway decent year and $9 million for a starting center fielder is actually not that bad. He's having an okay year. After that, oh my God, we're talking Grady Sizemore, Colby Rasmus, and a bunch of never worse. Uh, for the Tigers to improve center field next year, Hoaxlap, they got to make a trade. I don't see any other option at this point. You're making me very sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, and I know that the Tigers just signed that you know young hot shot out of high school. It's his name, Derek. Derek Hill, right? Derek Hill, yeah. So we, we need to get him on the advanced plan quickly. Yeah, no kidding. But, yeah, he's but, 18, just out of high school. We'll be lucky to see him in four years. So there's a yeah. there's a gap there right now that I don't know how they're going to fill it. It's, it's kind of scary. 
Yes, that, yes, you're scaring me and making me sad. And this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not especially good. since we're still worried about this season and we're not right. really worried about next season. Right. But, uh, that kind of segues into the offense, which has really struggled mightily, Hookside. Uh, they haven't hit in the second half at all. Uh, their, their slash numbers are 251 uh, average, 312 on base percentage, and only 374 slugging. You know, no one's hitting, especially for power. In the first half, it was a very respectable 280, 333, and 445. Uh, Cabrera is obviously banged up and is not hitting for power. Ian Kensler is in a massive, massive slump. He's got a 257 on base percentage post break. Yeah, JD Martinez has come back to earth. He has not really been a, what you would call a, a dependable run producer in the second half. He really starting to look like a fourth outfielder again. Uh, Andrew Romine. And Eugenio Suarez. Suarez is slumping horribly. They both have very similar hitting numbers in the second half. That's how much Suarez has dropped off. It's an offensive black hole. Uh, Carrera is showing why he was a 4A player. I mean, I hate ragging on Lynn Henning about this, but he sold Carrera as being blocked by Austin Jackson. And Carrera is now hitting, uh, let me look it up here, 188 <laughs> and a 235 on base percentage. Uh and obviously, Rajai Davis, Torrey Hunter, Nick Castellanos, they are what they are. And what they pretty much are is consistently inconsistent. Uh, I don't think uh, it's a stretch to say this team has been a wreck offensively. And the only solution in sight would be some of these guys stepping up their game. I think because they aren't going to be able to solve what ails this offense by making a deal because there's no deals to be had. Right, and looking around that lineup that you just you know kind of went down mm-hmm. um, depressingly, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that there there are certain names out of there that you can pick and say um, they're they're good players. They're going to rebound. They're going to mm-hmm. come back to where they should be. Um, maybe not even this year, but yeah. going into next year, Cabrera obviously is you know he's still struggling through recovering mm-hmm. from the injury, um, but he'll he'll be fine. You know, ultimately, I think Kinsler is probably cut from that same cloth. Yeah. You know, he may be going through a little bit of a slump, but everybody does. The track um, record's there, in other words. Right, the track yeah. record's there for these guys. Hunter, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like you said, he's, he's 39 years old. I think whatever they get out of him from here on out is is uh, like finding free money kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, so you hope for guys like, you know, Castellanos to uh, live up to his potential as well. I mean, I think mm-hmm. he does have quite a bit of it. Obviously, he's still learning, though. It's his rookie year, so... You know, if he's not uh, blowing the world up right now. When we look at him, he's having the kind of year that I think people thought he would have. He'll probably end up with uh, double-digit home home runs. He'll end up with probably 60 or 70 RBI, and he'll hit around 260, 270. Right. That's what he's going to do. But that's not what they need right now. But you can't depend on Nick Castellanos. You shouldn't be depending on Nick Castellanos. No, you shouldn't. And and so as we look through this list, and you kind of say, well, there's not uh, you know a whole lot of options here yeah. outside of Cabrera and and Victor Martinez, who you can kind of count on to always be you know consistently good, mm. injuries notwithstanding. Um, and you sort of understand why it, at the outset of the season, you know, we said it, it matters that they're going to build a more uh, uh, what's what's a base base running aggressive yes. team? Yes, because they're gonna need to manufacture runs because there is gonna be a drop off, you know, in the in the big sluggers, you know, the power numbers, and that seems to have been the case. But here's what I don't understand, Al. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to be guys who ran the base as well, and aside from the fact that we've watched mistake after mistake yeah. after mistake, the bigger issue to me is I don't see them getting on base. Yeah. You have to, you know, have on base percentage if you're going to be any, you know, impact in, you know, swiping the extra bases, going for the, uh, you know, first to third mm-hmm. on a single kind of thing. And right now, I, I don't have the numbers to prove it, but just the, the gut take is this is a team that is uh, swinging at a lot of, you know, one and two pitches kind of at bats, this, this kind of thing. They're not making pitchers work. They're not drawing walks. The walk rates are, are down. You know who's got one of the highest walk rates, of course, is Alex Avila. Yeah, exactly. You know? But outside of that, you know, you really need some of these guys that can run, the Kinslers and Carreras and so forth, to just sit up there and, and, and draw walks if they can. And it's, it's not happening. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's a good point you made about the at-bats because even Miguel Cabrera brought that up and put himself in that in, in saying that we are not having good at-bats. We are... You know, too impatient. We're expanding our strike zone. 
we're not doing the right things to make pitchers work. And it's pretty obvious, especially in Cabrera's case, that you know, just even the eye test, it really looks like in trying to make something happen and trying to maybe do too much, he's swinging at pitches that we would normally not see Miguel Cabrera swing at. And for that matter, yeah, a lot of the, yeah. the team has followed suit. You're absolutely right. So that's, I mean, I know it sounds like easy to just say it, you know, just mm-hmm. be more patient at the at the plate. But uh, that's not something that uh, that happens overnight. You know, I remember reading yeah. Moneyball and, and uh, Billy Bean and others, you know, uh, interviewed in that book saying that's not something you can really teach even mm-hmm. is, is plate discipline. That's why the Oakland A's draw, you know, they drafted those guys, you know, based on past history and so they've already got that innate talent to take pitches and draw walks it's right. it's not an easy thing to teach yeah it's <laughs> obviously it's <laughs> quite seen. obviously yeah by, by some of the free swingers on this team but it's yeah it's uh, the no it's really something that we we complained about it sounds like we spent the entire first half of the season complaining about the bullpen uh, the bullpen, well, it's still pretty darn shaky, but now the overriding concern seems to be the offense. But I think we saw, kind of saw this coming uh, earlier in the year. We, on this podcast ourselves, we said this team really needs to find a bat. But like Chris said during our interview, you know, the, there really wasn't a bat that fit the Tigers' needs. So they doubled down on starting pitching, and that leads to what's happened over the last couple of days, looks like. Um, yeah, and they, mm-hmm. that was that was a stated goal at the beginning. I yeah. remember Dombrowski said as much that, you know, essentially I'm putting words in his mouth, but essentially he said, yeah, we're going to take a hit on offense, but what we take a hit there, um, whatever, you know, uh, losses we we have there, we're going to make up for it mm-hmm. in, in really good pitching and in defense. So we're going to prevent more runs, you know, in order to kind of balance that out. And as we've seen this year, the defense has been – nowhere near what it needs to be in order to supplement that good pitching. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you get, you get performances like David Price the other night throwing a one hitter, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he only let the team score one run, just yes. one, yeah. you know, that's, that's great pitching. Guess what? You still have to score runs to win a game. Yeah. Yeah. We saw pitchers with no hit stuff, two consecutive nights, Rick Porcello uh, beat the race six, nothing tossing a four hit complete game shutout. He retired 20 straight batters at one point. And the 6 nothing uh, win looks a little uh, deceiving because four runs came on one swing of the bat. Victor Martinez, probably the only Tiger who has been cons- consistently, well, consistent at the plate this season. Uh, but, you know, Price, he won up Purcello. That was as dominant as a performance you will ever see, retiring the last 23 batters he faced. But that game, especially the Price game, that may have been one of the most frustrating, upsetting losses in recent memory. An utter waste of a memorable performance in a game that you you got to win. You got to win when your pitcher tosses a one-hit complete game. You got to win that game, and the Tigers came up absolutely flat and empty offensively. And, and Cobb yeah. is a decent pitch. Alex Cobb is not chopped liver, but I mean, come on. No, you, you're absolutely right. Cobb is not, you know, a four A pitcher that just somehow stymied the team. You know, and yeah. on the one hand, you know, like Leland used to say, "Well, you tip your cap." Yeah. And but Leland also used to say, at some point, you got to stop tipping your cap. Bingo. And get out there and do something. Yeah. And that's absolutely – it's just one of those frustrating things where if you look at David Price's pitching line from that game, there's no way in hell you would ever say that they lost that. Yeah. You say, well, the pitcher threw you know, a complete game and gave up one hit, retired 23 in a row. Man, how bad did they blow out the opposition? Mm-hmm. No, no, they lost. You know? Yeah. So, and, and it does seem like that's been a bit of a theme this year. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not one-hit games, but certainly we we've said over and over again, night after night, there was a great you know performance by fill in the blank, you know Scherzer by Smiley by even Verlander at times, you know threw a great game, yeah, and still took the loss because mm-hmm. they're just not getting the that uh, the run support that they need, and so you know what it, like we we covered that already, but yeah. you know what can you do? Yeah, I just brought up David Price's stats as a Tiger. He's made four starts. Uh, a 2.35 ERA, uh, one complete game. His FIP is the marvelous 2.9. That's right. That's well below his career average, and right where he's been the last couple years in Tampa. And the Tigers have won one of those starts. 
was going to say, so he should be 4-0, and right? Exactly. <laughs> but he's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, even if he didn't get the W, the Tigers should have won those four games. They won one of them. And that's just, it's flabbergasting just to see this team struggle so mightily at the plate. This. Well, here's the here's the frustration though, mm-hmm. and, and, and in that frustration is a little kernel of, of hope. I think mm-hmm. the frustration for me is that when you realize how good this pitching staff is, oh god, yeah, you realize that it would only take just a, a just a, the slightest sliver of offense. League you're, average you know, offense, league just average. league average. We're not yeah. looking for blowout games. You don't need to score eight to ten runs, just three. Two to three runs, four runs, maybe, you know, certainly if you get the four-year-old lock with guys throwing one hit, you know, complete game type, you know. So just add just a little bit. And I I honestly think that the difference could be, you know, Miguel Cabrera being healthy could be enough to make up for what we're seeing right now. So you just kind of hope, like you said, some of these guys are going to have to get up there and and be more patient, have better at-bats, make those pitchers work harder. Because it's like I said, it's, it doesn't take much to get us over that hump yeah. of just enough offense to really capitalize on this amazing pitching. Yeah, because it's, I think it's become obvious that we're not going to see the real Miguel Cabrera probably till next year at this point. Because he just, uh, I hate that you know he's become a doubles and he's become a singles and double hitter at this point. There's just no power there, and it's oh god, you know we're just depressing ourselves talking about it. So let's talk about That's some good news. Okay. Yeah, Justin Verlander. <laughs> well, some people would say, oh, my God, this is awful news. You know, don't even get me going on the people who rag on Justin Verlander. But uh, diagnosed of obviously shoulder inflammation, he missed his last start. It's the first start he'd ever missed because of health reasons in his career. He's been that much of a horse. Uh, he is now reportedly pain-free. Uh, he's, he was out of, he's out of action 12 days. Uh over the last three, he has taken part of some long toss and some bullpen sessions, and he has now declared himself pain-free. Uh, he is going to return to the rotation this weekend. He will start one of the two games scheduled as uh, Saturday's uh, day-night twin bill in Minnesota. Uh, but I guess the scary part is is that he still refuses to say just how long his shoulder has been affecting his play. Because if, And also the other interesting part is he also mentioned that the reason for the shoulder soreness was a combination of things. One, just general wear and tear on a 30, 31-year-old pitcher who was thrown a lot of innings. And two, mechanical adjustments caused by injury and age. And essentially, I think that's saying the core muscle surgery had something to do with this without actually saying it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I read those comments, too. And it, it makes sense, you know. Maybe one of these days we'll have uh, Rob come on the show and yeah. be a Dr. guest Rob. and talk to us. Dr. Robert. Yes. Come and talk to us about some of the, you know, the, the medical, physical things going on there. But it makes mm-hmm. it would make sense that if you're, you know, missing a key component in your in your core, so to speak, you know, part of what, you know, what you rely on to generate command and, and, and speed and velocity and all of that. If that's gone, then yeah, makes sense. You make adjustments somewhere else and you end up, uh, you know, doing it wrong or just kind of working a part of the body. You weren't used to working that hard. So it, like you said, it's interesting that he won't say how long it's yeah. been affecting him. I don't know why he doesn't say it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. just yeah. tell us, you know, it's not like anyone's confused as to the fact that he's been struggling. So you're not going to surprise anybody if you say yeah it's been going on since last you know august or whatever but uh like you know all we can take away from this i think is just to hope that it's you know that it's going to be a thing of the past that he can get himself uh you know back in shape um in time for the postseason yeah and that also brings the points that yeah okay you've got a sore shoulder likely because of the core muscle surgery and the adjustments you had to make I gotta wonder if taking a week off, how much difference is that realistically going to make you know, over the long term? I have a feeling, much like Cabrera, they're going to need an entire off season to really get back to where he should be. Yeah, if, I, if I'm throwing this particular way because of the core muscle, mm-hmm. and this particular way of throwing is hurting my arm, yes, taking a week off it seems like would give that muscle some rest in the arm, mm-hmm. so now it doesn't hurt as much, but. I'm going back out to the mound without having fixed the core problem. Yeah. So we're going right back to the same mechanics. So unless he's adjusted the mechanics, you know, then I, like you said, I don't know how much good that, that week off is going to do except to give that arm a little bit, you know, yeah. 
to heal from the uh, injury he inflicted on Yeah, it's kind of like getting a B12 shot. Make you feel good for a week or two, then what? And also, right. you know, I mean, I'm hoping for the best. You know, it's I, I'm really I'm excited to see what he's going, what Verlander's going to look like on on Saturday. But it also says volumes of the Tigers' injury situation that uh, I believe what Robbie Ray I believe is starting tonight, and I believe Buck Farmer, uh, he of the uh, uh, you know I, I I'm not going to go into the porn name stuff, but regardless, <laughs> Buck Farmer I, I believe is going to start. Uh, one of the the other game of the doubleheader. So, uh, thank goodness it's the Twins, you know, who have a god awful uh, pitching staff. So, at the very least, it might be an opportunity for uh, the offense to get untracked somewhat. Because if you looked at the the Twins' starting uh, rotation, it's ugly right now for them. Yeah. Yeah, and so you hope that, you know, the, the the race being what it is at this point, you know, please God that the Tigers just beat up on the Twins here mm. and hopefully try to gain some ground. Um, but, you know, much of this is, is getting out of hand, uh, out of their control at least. You know, that uh, you, you look at what the Kansas City Royals are doing in the month of August, and they're like 15-3 and three or 15-4 and four yeah, at ridiculous. this point. Yeah, it's ridiculous, yeah. It's like the Twins in, what, uh, 2009? And like in the September. Indians yeah. in September last year, the yeah. Indians went twenty-one and six yeah, through, exactly. through September last year. Thankfully, the Tigers had a bigger cushion mm-hmm. last year. So you know, the, I've been kind of noticing this and saying, look, the Tigers are are, are playing basically five hundred ball. If not, right. actually, they are playing exactly five hundred ball in August. Ten and right. ten is mm-hmm. their record. It, it feels worse, but yeah, you're right. But they are kind of you know keeping pace, so to speak. They're, They're treading not, water, in other words. Yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. They're, they're treading water, which is fine as long as Kansas City doesn't continue to just steamroll. Yeah. And I don't think that they will. So you hope for situations like this when you're going into Minnesota. Now let's just absolutely you know rake, and hope that Kansas City starts to break down in the in the, in the same you know stretch. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... And, and, and it's becoming a concern because it's a long season, but we're, it's really not that much time left. It's like, what, <laughs> six weeks? Not How even six games? weeks, about five About five at this point. How many games have we got left? 30? Something, 35? yeah, about a month. Yeah, <laughs> about a, yeah. and it seems like they've played, uh, but this schedule is not helping things, especially with back, with double headers on back-to-back Saturdays. Um, this is one where there has been some bad luck involved. No, we all enjoyed having those free days in April, but now it's come back to roost, and the Tigers are just getting pounded in the schedule right now. They aren't getting days off, and they need them bad. Right, and the doubleheaders so are we. worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Having you know, having doubleheaders is like it was a feature of 1984. Yeah, that that Sparky always complained about. He feared mm-hmm. the doubleheaders and said, "We're just you know, it destroys you, and you lose games in the process." And you know, we hated them. Yeah. And so, like you said, it's, it's bad luck that we're getting the doubleheaders on top of the injuries, yep. you know, on top of mm-hmm. the, the weird little streaks and slumps and, and so forth. So, oh boy. How does... God forbid there's an extra inning game on Saturday. Oh, oh we can't do that anymore. Yeah. Which means I can't let my wife watch any of the games. Really? We've discovered that she has the jinxing power. I didn't think mm-hmm. it existed, but apparently she's got it. That Any game, I swear, that we watch together mm-hmm. goes extra innings. Oh, I, I do, and there might be something to that because the girlfriend, who usually you know, uh, kind of takes off because she knows I'm going to be tied up if I'm recapping the game. You know, I'll be tied up for four or five hours, and she was here for, on that Sunday when the Tigers played 19 innings. So, <laughs> so it's, yeah, we can't. There's let them something punch. there. There's something there. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, she's supposed to come over tonight. I don't have to recap tonight, but uh, she's she's coming over. Going to go to dinner. Maybe we won't even watch. The, well, I can't help myself. I probably will end up watching some of the game, but yeah, yeah I don't know. Women can't live with them, as <laughs> as Norm <laughs> Peterson not, said. So. <laughs> I'm going on the record as saying I don't think that. <laughs> so, uh, no, actually, fortunate. the correct quote is: uh, "Women can't live with them." Pass the beer nuts. So. Pass the beer nuts. No, pass I, the beer I, nuts. So, and we're all for beer nuts. So. Very fortunate that my wife does enjoy the Tigers and likes to watch the games with me. So yeah, you're it's lucky. just that this, yeah. this year, for some reason, whenever she does, they end up going extras. And I always say, this is your fault. You did it again. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now we know who to blame. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so send all your. No, no, don't, don't go yeah, there. No, yeah. don't, don't go there. <laughs> all right. Uh, as we're kind of hitting the home stretch on the podcast, uh, we do need to touch on the Evan Reed situation. Uh, essentially, there is no situation at this point. On Thursday, 
the charges were dismissed against Reed. Uh, uh, something did happen between the two parties involved, but the judge believed his accuser wasn't credible, and it wasn't proven that she was incapacitated, as she had alluded to. And the judge said, for these reasons, uh, we, he ordered all, all sexual uh, assault charges be dropped against Reed. The Tigers themselves said, we are aware of the situation, you know, we are aware of the result, and we are happy for him, and that's all they would say. And, but I guess it just goes to show is that, we, one, we should never rush to judgment, and two, uh, it, it's just a sad situation for everyone involved. And I have a, you know, Reed's career is never going to be the same. No, you know, even though he was found innocent, he's always going to have this cloud over his head. And, you know, and some of it is just because of his actions that night. So it's just a sad yeah. situation all the way around. It really is. Yeah. And I know there's, there's a court of public opinion that maybe is not entirely, you know, mm-hmm. decided on this issue. But like you said, I would echo that sentiment and say that the, I think the most uh, I, I would hope for out of this is that two people learned a lot. Yes. You know, through that uh, situation and, and learn some life lessons and <laughs> yeah. don't go back to that. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, he may be uh, innocent by by law, but mm-hmm. there's certainly you know something to be said for. Man, you got to be careful what you're doing out there these days. So exactly. I, I really hope those two learned you know something in the process. And yep. uh, whether Evan Reed comes back to the Detroit Tigers or not, I, I don't know. I hope that that's based purely on his pitching ability and not because of you know the situation. Exactly. It's uh, again a sad situation all the way around, and I think we'll just leave the comments at that, pure and simple. All right. Uh, anything else you'd kind of like to uh, touch base on Hook Slide? I mean, you have been around for well, over a week. Well, I'd be, you know, enjoying the time off. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> it's, uh, when the Tigers are playing the way they've been, you know, barely treading water and, and mm. sometimes not, you know, it's it's not a lot of fun to watch baseball. So you find that you have to go, you know, engage in other activities, get a book, you know, go mm. go to the beach and do whatever. And so I've been enjoying some, some vacation time and um, – I guess the, the the hot topic though is just you know that that open question of you know do you see the Tigers even clinching division this year? Yeah, 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 that's a good point. And I would still like to lean on the side of saying yeah, if everything you know on paper plays out the way it's supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, it may not be a it, it could be a real squeak job, you know, <laughs> that they get it by half a game at the you know last game of the season. But I still expect them to uh, to pull that off, barring any further, God forbid, any further injury, you know, type, mm-hmm. you know, setbacks. So how do you feel, Al? Are they going to take it? Are they not? Uh, well, I predicted at the beginning of the season that this team was going to make the World Series, so I would not uh, – I'm not going to backtrack. And that, you know, I, this t- the talent is there, especially in the pitching staff. I mean, you look at that pitching staff, you've got to think this team is going to make a run. And they're, you know, they're they're going to start, you know, they're going to win games in bunches. You know, they're they're going to get that streak like we saw we saw a couple times this year. Where you know they'll, they'll run off a couple weeks, where they'll go, you know, uh, ten and three or eleven and two or something like that. And that's really if they do that, I think that's all. If they can put together two weeks of solid baseball, I think that would be enough to put them over the top. The question is, and it would certainly do it. Yeah, it would certainly help the fan base. Yes. You know, because you can have a week of dominant baseball and feel really, really good again, despite everything that's gone before that. And I think that's where a lot of the fans are coming from in their, you know, angst yep. and frustration is that this does not look look like a quote-unquote dominant team. Yeah. This is not like the Boston Red Sox last year where every time you watch them, you know, they were constantly coming from behind and, you know, just you, know, you couldn't stop them. This mm-hmm. kind of thing. They had one of the best offenses, you know. So you're not seeing that from Detroit this year, and that I think is part of the, you know, people want to see the team just absolutely dominate so that we feel good about going into the playoffs without realizing it doesn't matter how we got to the playoffs. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, it's you know, a crapshoot once you get there. Once enough. you get there, yeah, crapshoot. Yeah. We we could win. We could not. So really, it doesn't matter if we get there with a 20 game lead or if we get there with a half game lead. Just getting there. Yeah. Uh, also, I can say I just want them to so avoid the wild card game. Cause I, I, have, oh, yeah. I don't want to even yeah. call that a playoff game. That is a play-in game. And those kind of games, as we saw in game 163 against the Twins, that's a coin flip. It could go uh, on a missed call, could cost you your season, you know, or a bad bounce, or, you know, being forced to, you know, go deep into your bullpen. You know, I, uh, it's, it's, that's one of those things that just – 
win the division. I don't care how you do it. Avoid that damn play-in game. I'm absolutely with you on that, especially because I think it's Oakland, isn't it? That they were saying that if the season yeah. were to end now, we'd have to do a one-game play-in against Oakland. Oh no, no! I want to yes. meet Oakland in a seven-game series and put to rest, you know, forever this notion that Detroit was just getting lucky in five-game sets. Yeah, yeah, but uh, and Oakland's been struggling, but they got themselves a break in that. Well, the because the Angels got a bad one. That's was, right. Yes, so. No, they no. They've lost. Was it? Uh, they've lost their top starting pitcher uh, due to a knee injury. He's going to be out. Uh, for, oh, I guess the word is he's going to be out uh, six to nine months. He's done. Good so, grief! Yeah. So it's uh, Garrett Richards is going to that. That could that. That's the kind of injury that can change an entire season for yourself and for the opposition because uh, Richards. It was ha- is having a breakout season and really was carrying that angel staff. So uh, all of a sudden things are looking up for the A's just because of that alone. And yeah. you know, so because I, people didn't realize, I know I didn't. The Angels had the best record in baseball. Right, right. They kind of snuck up there and took over. Yeah. Craziness. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good. Uh, that be the best way to sum up the season. I think is just all in all craziness. One yes, point. it's it's been a very weird kind of year. It's been a crazy year. So yeah, and, and even you know, even going to what happened in Chicago this week, where they, uh, an, a protest was actually upheld. I you know, I, uh, first time in like twenty six years, just because of the incompetence of the ground crew. <laughs> and actually, it is. Uh, you know, if you watch the speeded up version of it with Yakety Sax playing in the back, watch them <laughs> trying to cover that turf is absolutely hysterical. It has been an exceedingly weird year, I will say that. Yeah, I just and, want to see how it ends. Yeah, and, he's, and to the Cubs' credit, you no, know, because what happened was it was, uh, uh, I think it was what the fifth inning of a game between the uh, Giants and the Cubs, and obviously the Giants are in a playoff race. Cubs are out of it, and a rainstorm came, and for some reason. The tarp had been put on askew onto the roll, and when they unrolled it, well, this is to say it didn't cover the field the way it should have been. And to Lisa, the Cubs' credit, they were, they were, they was. They said it's fair that the protest is upheld just because it was our screw up. So at least, like, to at least, I'll give this is a rare. This is something we rarely see from Major League Baseball folks, like common sense. Believe it or not, and they made the right decision, so yes. all is well in the end. Yes. So um, the only other thing I wanted to mention, of course, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you were going to do this anyway, but uh, yes. for, for our listeners to know that uh, we do have some more guests coming, um, that next week we've got Jason Beck lined mm-hmm. up from MLB. Yep. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens the week after that. I don't want to give anything away yet, but uh, we're mm-hmm. working on a special guest. But then the big news from this past week is that uh, – I was able to work with uh, the communications director at Fox Sports Detroit, and we will have Mario and Pemba coming on the show yep. September the 12th, and Rod Allen will be joining us the week after that, the 19th. Yeah. So, so it's, it's about to get all crazy up in here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and and I got to say, I, you have to give a shout-out to Hookslide for uh, putting the effort into getting the guests because we found it would be simpler to have one person kind of handle that and and, um, and I so I tend to handle the back end stuff and do the recording and the editing and all that and Hookslide has gone out there and done his damnedest to get some excellent guests and at this point I'm expecting to see maybe the commissioner of major league baseball by the end of the year. I know that's what I said at the start of the show. I feel like I've I've peaked too early. So I'm not sure how to top Mario and Rod after that I'm gonna have to get Brad Ausmus himself. The, I don't know. The president of the United States. I don't know. You know so if I, I somehow impressive. find a way to channel Ernie Harwell yeah. from the other side, I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's start wrapping this uh, this dog and pony show up. So, uh, where can the listeners find you online, good sir? Uh, writing for blessyouboys.com, of course. Occasionally running the Bless You Boys Twitter account at Bless You Boys. And then my personal Twitter is uh, at hookslidebyb. And if you want to uh, send me emails, you can do that at hookslidebyb at gmail.com. Right. As always, you can find me at Big Al BYB on Twitter. Also, of course, at Bless You Boys. And obviously, as I mentioned earlier, the gang of five of us or so who run the Bless You Boys account, depending on the day and who's available and 
Uh, but unfortunately, like last week, I got stuck running the Twitter all week because no one wanted to deal with it. <laughs> and for some reason, they thought I was a good luck charm. At least for a little while, I think I was. But uh, regardless of that, uh, that's, you know, again, I need to remind you, please follow us on Twitter. Please like us on Facebook. We have a lot of good content. And I really do think we put on quite a show during games, at least on Twitter. So well, we try. We, we certainly do our best. try. We do our best. Yeah, uh, we you know, and um, I think uh, what the the follow the follow the 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 followers we have developed on Twitter, you know, we've really increased the fan base on Twitter several thousand this year by just trying to be there uh, during most games. So please do uh, we try to have a lot of fun with that, and don't yell at us. Or Kurt will come. We'll get Kurt back on the show, and he will yell at you like he did last week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's wrap up this show. So um, I guess until this time next week, this is Al Beaton saying good afternoon and good luck. Hello, it looks like. I promise not to swear at you. And I won't on the next Bless You Boys podcast. <laughs> That'll get him out of the old ballpark. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.